Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Book Journeys Radio, an interview series for authors in transformation. From the basic fundamentals of selecting a book topic and overcoming writer's block to advanced techniques for publishing and marketing your books. Don't forget to check out our complete schedule and archive shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash book dash journeys. Now, get ready to make a difference with your book with your host, Maggie McReynolds. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Book Journeys Radio. Every week on Book Journeys Radio, we talk to accomplished authors who've gone from just having an idea for a book to a finished book that's making a difference out there in the world. So our goal for this show is for you to walk away inspired and motivated to write your book, whether that's your first or your third, or possibly like my upcoming guest, your second Today's author is Tamara Arnold. She is an intuitive life coach and the author of My Kid is Driving Me Crazy, a mom survival guide for living with a child with mental illness and her upcoming book called The Magical Business Method, Define Your Stardust, Attract Your Tribe and Make Lots of Money and More. Hey, welcome Tamara. It's great to have you on the show. It's so great to be here, Maggie. Thank you. Oh, so good to hear your voice. Hey, so to help kind of orient our listeners for each guest, I I always kind of start out with the same question, and it's a bit of a big one. Can you tell us, you know, I I guess your book is, or your books are kind of, they work in tandem, but let's start with your first. What's the book about and and who's it for? So this book is uh, for, of course, me when I needed it. Um, Mm -hmm. So I have a son who suffers from oppositional defiance disorder. He suffers from, he was diagnosed with ADHD, which I didn't believe, which I wish I had when he was eight, um, and some other mental illnesses such as depression and anxiety. And we had a really rough time for a long time. And there was many points in my life where I didn't think that there was anyone who understood what I was going through. And wow, I'm getting emotional already. And there was no support systems in place and everything that was there was very sterile. And there was nothing that really helped me and nothing that really supported him at the same time. And what I actually did was I I learned to live externally. I became very much codependent with him. I'd answer his questions. I didn't know what to do. And so after 10 years of uh, quite an ordeal, um, things did not end well. And Ethan and I, as I put it in the book, had needed to break up. And so we stopped talking. And it was then that I learned that I had actually physically only defined myself as Ethan's mother for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know who I was anymore. I had lost myself in being a mother. Yeah, so I wrote I this book. Kind of... Go ahead. Yeah, and so I wrote this book for the woman who feels like she's losing herself with her child, and I want to tell her that I support her and love her, and that she's super important and special, and to really stay strong in who she is. And I think this is—it's easy for any parent to get lost in parenting, especially for moms or whoever is the the main hands-on parent, um, if in case of dual-income households. So when there's any added issue, physical or or mental or emotional, psychological, it's really, I think, easy and probably more common. I'm guessing you run into a lot of women who have a similar story. 
I didn't realize how much until the book has been like out there now for people to grab. And I keep getting messages in my inbox saying, oh, my goodness, like within a few pages of your book, I felt like I was reading my story. And I like I can't even tell you. Like that just means the world. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, imagine that this was also true while you were going through it and you didn't know how many uh, women and other moms there were like you. No, because who goes out for like coffee and tea? Hey, how are you? How are you? I'm good. So it's new. Oh, you know, my kid's gotten in trouble at school again. <laughs> you know, I'm at the, at the yeah. principal's office. Yeah, we may have meetings all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he stole $50. <laughs> what about yours? <laughs> That's not really tea time conversation. Yeah, no, I understand. And it's too bad that there's a lot of I used to say when I became a mother relatively late at age 40 that I had never experienced so much judgment and shaming in any other role in my life up until becoming a mother. Right, right. Like, what? Society does I'm have not- a little, like, I honestly do believe that society does place this, like, elevated idea, pedestal of what we're supposed to do, right? Like, we, we're supposed to give up who we are and what we want out of life and all of these things in order to be a mother, and the unspoken, I think, judgment and, and probably self-judgment is if there's anything wrong with our kids, it's our fault. We did something. Oh, yeah. Or, oh, yeah, I made them, or so I got to fix it's it. It's our fault that we can't figure it out and fix it, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. So you get this wonderful double whammy of your kid needs to be your job and your life. And if you're not getting it straight, then you're really messing up and failing at the only job you have. <laughs> right. 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 right, which I was totally failing at, like 100%. <laughs> I get that, until, until you decided to stop, stop playing the game by those rules. Right, but I would also say, like, for me, I talk a lot about codependency. It's one of my favorite words, which is a word that not a lot of people like to use because it sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, my mom suffered from mental illness, too, and so by 10 years old, I, I say I contracted codependency, which is, like, when you try and fix somebody who doesn't want to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I'm actually a recovering codependent right now. So I went into this, uh, mother, do- uh, son, like mother, son relationship already trying to fix things. Yeah. Yeah. I have, a, I had a mentally ill father, so I understand and I can sing, sing the chorus alongside you. So you wrote this amazing book. You've had amazing response to it, which we'll talk about in a second, but so it's out there. It's out there in the world, and you've got a second book in the works. What do you wish you'd known before you wrote the the very first one? Can I swear? Uh, minimally? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I won't swear that. I was going to say, because uh, becoming an author is a bit of an S-H-I-T storm in the best possible yeah. way. Uh, so that wasn't written down in, like, the, when you write a book, you have to become an author. Right. So it was like, you just think you're writing a book until all of a sudden you're putting it out in the world and you're like, oh my goodness, people are going to read my words. Oh my God. They're going to say like, Hey, you're a what? And oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. I had to become the person who could write that book. So if you had known that ahead of time, how would that have made a difference for you? Um, I don't necessarily know if it would have made a huge difference to me. Oh, what I did know is how to write if I would go back, because I think you're going to have to become the next version of yourself always. But if there was some one thing that I wish I had known prior, but I learned it through being in the program was how to do it successfully. 
Because if I hadn't gone with you with the author incubated, I would I would have written a completely wrong book. Yeah, to to like the wrong reader or. Well, I would have been like, I would have just brain dumped and it would have served nobody. Like people would have picked that up and gotten no support and no help. Yeah. Yeah. When you were first, you know, uh, you'd applied, you were accepted. Did did you imagine the book done? Like how that would be after that? You talk about speaking into stepping into being the author who's written the book. How how did, did you envision that completion? And if so, how? So like when I, okay, this is a great story because when I signed up for the author incubator, I had a massive panic attack, right? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> which I then said, clearly, this is the right place to be because if I'm having this much kickback, greatness has to be on the other side of this, right? So right. I filled in the application, got accepted, good to marry, you can write this book. And then I actually legitimately went into a little bit of anxiety and depression for a couple weeks mm-hmm. uh, because I was like, holy frick, who am I to do this? Who am I to change these people's lives? Who am I to uh, create a program and create this book and serve these people? I went through some imposter syndrome big time. Mm-hmm. And then I went, but who am I not to? Because right. I wish, I, and this is going to make me cry again, I wish somebody had been brave enough who would have done this for me when I was going through it and reached back and help me through those that time. That's such a good point because I think a lot of us, a lot of writers, uh, do go first. The default fear is to that, who am I to whatever? Who am I to put my stupid little poems out in the world? Or who am I to write this self-help book? Or who am I to tell my memoir? Or, or whatever it is. And yet... That that play on Marianne Williamson of Who Am I Not To is mm-hmm. equally powerful. It's more powerful, really, when you especially you think about it in terms of a self-help book and you think about it in terms of, well, if you don't, then what happens? Like, okay, let's say you give in to your fear and you just don't do it. Then what? Mm-hmm. Not just for you, but for all the people who would have been helped by your book. Where do and they go that was what Exactly, and that was too much for me. So you talk about discomfort, the discomfort of all of those people not being served and not having a solution for their problem was greater than the discomfort that it was to go back to the thing that I thought I was over and write the book that I needed to write to help them. Had you tried to write a book before outside of the author incubator program? So when I was younger, I wrote all the time. Like, I started mm-hmm. stories. I lived in fairy tales in my mind. Like, I legitimately lived in fairy tales. Um, so I started poems, and I wrote all. And then I went through my life of living with a mother with mental illness and then a son, and I was like, okay, I need to write I need to write about this. I, when I met my husband, I told him I was going to write. I always told everyone I was going to write a story, but never tried. Mm-hmm. So what, what made the difference this time? You did more than try. You actually, you know freaking finished it I freaking finished it and it's addictive and now I did another one um (laughs) (laughs) I uh I knew it it was just like so when Ethan and I split um I was really in a situational depression and every day I would say what do I need to do to feel better and at that point I would have done just about anything and I had started meditating 
and I meditated for like, I don't know, a month straight. I slept through them before my, I could actually hear the words. But anyway, during the couple months afterwards, uh, I started to hear angel voices and other voices and guides and things like that. And legitimately one day I went for, I got out of the shower and I was washing, like blow drying my hair and I could hear like, write a book, write a book, write a book, write a book. And uh, I went for a walk and they pretty much harassed me. They actually said contact Hay House if we're going to be straight up. And so they kept writing contact Hay House. And so I went to the computer and I looked it up and it was a fortress, but it was just what I, they needed to tell me to get me in front of the computer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'd seen Angela last year at the Archangel Summit. Yeah. And so once I was in front of the computer and I had done the research for Hay House, for some reason it seemed like the next logical step was to put in the author incubator. So I would say that this book was divinely guided. How oh, very cool. And what was it? So you, you entered the program. You, you had a panic attack and some depression. You wrestled, wrestled the beast to the ground. And, and what was it like to step through? What was of most value to you about having, um, having a program to step through? Thank effing God there is a program that does this for you. Because right. when you are going through and feeling, again, like you're the only one who's feeling this separation anxiety and this imposter syndrome and things, and you can get on and go like, oh, my God, I'm feeling this way. And everybody else goes, me too. And you go, oh, thank God, I'm not alone. <laughs> so what Tamara is talking about is that our authors all move through in a group together who all publish on the same day. And so you sort of have a cohort as you go through on Facebook and on the calls. So it really is um, a very supportive tribe, a little mini tribe within the larger tribe that you can kind of go to and go, am I the only one who, you know, wants to eat Cheetos instead of write my book, you know, or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. But it's beyond that too, because when you become the person who writes the book and you're surrounded by other people who have become people that have written books, it changes things too. Yeah, absolutely. What's so far, so much good stuff I know has come out of you writing this book, but what's like, what's like top of the charts? What's the best? I would say that I stepped into my stardust and I realized that I'm here to serve people. And, uh, you know, you look at try and think of the capacity of how much you can make a difference in the world. And when you push through the fear and you step into being able to make a difference with people and changing their lives, like um, magic. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So you, you said something that went by kind of quickly. I wanted to go back and pick it up. You realized that you were stardust. Yes. I realized that I'd stepped into my stardust. Nice. So use right. that sort of as a term for your your true self, your essential self, your magic. Well, I actually believe, yes, that we're born with a calling or a gift or what we're, we're meant to do in this world within our heart. And um, so when you are living in that space of service through that stardust, everything changes. Like how you look at your day, how you present in the world, how you like embrace everything, the communication that you have. It's just, it's all so uplifted and joyful. And that's really a lot of what your second book is going, is going to speak to, right? Is finding that, helping the reader find that stardust for herself. Yes. Because yeah. what, one of the things that I realized when I was helping, so one, the first book really helps the moms who have children with mental illness come back fully into their bodies and remember who they were. 
before they became a mom, before all of this happened, because we really need to energetically and internally ground ourselves into our purpose, into who we are. And when we do that, the relationships all change with our, with our kids and everybody around us. And then I realized that a lot of these moms were like, I'm meant to serve. I haven't gone through this if it wasn't to reach back and help the person behind me. Mm-hmm. So now, mm-hmm. so now I help these mothers find their stardust so that they can launch a business that energetically lights them up from home, which allows them to stay home with their child and also make the money so they're not, like, financially scared anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, so first-time authors, sometimes your first book is an entry-level drug. <laughs> <laughs> You'll want to make more. <laughs> so yeah. true. So I'm sure, like me, like most of our authors, that you probably had at least some visions or fantasies or, you know, imaginings about what writing and publishing a book would look like, feel like. How did, how, how did it surprise you? How did it differ from what you expected? Okay, I'm just going to be frank. I thought that the book would be what would make my money. Mm-hmm. So you'd make right? a bunch of money on right. book sales. Right. 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 So that's what you kind of have this preconceived notion about is that I'm going to be able to write this book and people are going to just go love it. It's going to be able to go out into the world and it will be picked up by all major publishing companies. They'll fight over me and I'll be like Gabriel Bernstein and I'll be like asked to tour all over the universe. That's what our mind's fantasy is. Right. Um, but it's that's not really the reality. Love. <laughs> yes, clearly. Um, but the reality, which was so much more, is the fact that you get to grow into this business of becoming the author who writes the book, which then has within the book, you realize that you're here to serve the people that you're here to serve. And then you magically create this incredible like community. And I call it a tribe (laughs) of vibrationally equal loving mothers uh, who are all striving for the same thing. And I, I know that you, with your book, it's the same thing. You have these unsettling mothers and like, you know what I mean? Like with a book, you actually create a tribe. So what what I, what it feels like to me, and this is how I experienced it, and I think I'm hearing you articulate it too, is that it, a lot of um, people who have not written a book or been through the process or worked with a publisher imagine the the book coming out as the the end point. You know that mm-hmm. that's what you're working that's what you're working towards, and that's the finish line. Is the book launches, and I think you and I have both experienced, and this is both unexpected and I think super cool is that that's just the beginning. That's really yeah. just the so beginning. It really comes down to creating the program that was in the book, which means that, you know, I've never been more financially stable in my life based off writing this book. But not in the way you thought. No, not in the way I thought. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't think people right. realize that even big name authors do not make what you would imagine off of book sales. That's, that's why people like Elizabeth Gilbert do a lot of public speaking <laughs> and because and, she's good and awesome and people want to hear her. But yeah, it's, right? it's, it's so less about it's how, like, it's less about how the book does and more about what you do with the book. Right. Well, and bingo. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Ding, ding, ding. Right. So like I could write a book and nobody picks it up. What kind of service have I done to the world? Right. But if right. I can get that book, like the message of the book out into the world. And so I have people that I can actually serve in the programs that I run and I can help change so many different aspects of their life and create like 
I don't know. I just want everybody to be able to do what I did. <laughs> I just launched mm-hmm. a business from home successfully and mm-hmm. changed their perception of what uh, what I say, you know, because we talked about society, what society and our parents have taught us, uh, you know, money is bad and too much of it is evil and <laughs> that you uh, have, it's hard to make and you just have to step into your, like, honest to good gracious, Maggie, if you did exactly what it is that you were put on here on their earth to do, you would see that money is energy and if you can serve with it and solve people's problems in a way that changes their lives. Just like being in the author incubator, it was a lot of money, but it was the money I needed to spend energetically in order to get to the outcome so that I could be in a position to change people's lives. And without asking you your personal finances, I'm guessing you've seen a return on that investment. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I feel like you kind of know my story. So <laughs> I was able to. <laughs> Maybe. I have had Maybe. a little bit. I was able to make a huge return of investment. And um, so my story is uh, when I joined late November, uh, I was I was in overdraft. I mean, we had, weren't paying our, our bills. We had creditors calling. And it was like, this is, uh, you know, I was being, it was I mean, uh, guided by me to me. And so I borrowed a friend's credit card. And then we went to the bank and we got the payment plan to be able to do this. Now, my thought process that very day that I signed up was I'm going to make this money back before my book is written because there is something within the program that tells you exactly how to do that. So I became a bit of a star student (laughs) and was like, okay, so what do I need to do in order to make the money back? So by the time I got into the castle and the book was written, I'd already made my back back the amount that I paid for the program in the service of something greater than me solving people's problem that, that I was put on this earth to do. So you're just like, this is like a double whammy awesome thought. Now, when I was at the castle the first time and came home, um, I knew that I needed to become the next version of myself because really that's what life is about is evolving always into the, the next self. And uh, so when I got off that plane, I even evolved even further. And I don't mind talking about money because I think it's super cool. Um, and in four months from April until now, I've made $100,000. Wow. That is super cool. And thanks for, thanks for doing that. I mean, I, I don't have any issues with it either, but, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that to somebody. It feels like outing them, you know. Like, I know. Like, I know. Hey, I'm going to pull like, your towel now. <laughs> but in my second book, we talk about this. This is a sacral issue, right? Like if you're hiding money issues and you're afraid, it's afraid of being seen, right? And to me, right. you know, I talk about the sacral as being open and vibrating, as being sex and money. Um, because if you can stand fully in your power, in your body, in your mission, uh, declaring it to the world confidently, it is that, that very thing that is what calls money to you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you know we've got people listening who are like, I don't know, but maybe I want to do this. I don't know. I've had that book. I've got those chapters. I've had that idea. Or I really feel called to like be of service, but I don't know what I'd write about. What advice do you have for listeners who want to write a book or they've got the inklings of an idea or they're feeling the nudge, but they you know, haven't done anything with it. They've got those, those couple of chapters on their hard drive. And it, this cliche used to be the manuscript in the desk drawer, but I think that that's you know, decades old at this point. <laughs> what right. would you say to them? What advice have you got? I would just say stop living in fear and just do it because life is too short. Like we really are on this earth for only a very, very short period of time. It's like giving birth. 
um, there's never a right time to have a baby, right? Like they're going, oh, what if this happens? And then I'm going to move or I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But the fact of the matter is, like, just have the baby because <laughs> you'll figure it out. <laughs> you will, like, learn how to be a mom the minute your baby is born. That's, how, like, the same idea. You become, like, you learn how to be the author the minute that your book is born. Very good analogy. We've got like five minutes, and it looks like we've got a caller who may have a question. Let me see if I can bring him in. Hey, it's Maggie. You're on the air. Can I? Can you hear me? Hello. Women are objects. Nice. Bye. <laughs> Sorry about that, Tamara. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> that was strange, but um, <laughs> it was a little strange. I'm not gonna lie. I've been hosting this podcast for a while and no one's ever called in. <laughs> so I was like, well, that's interesting. <laughs> um, look, we have a caller. Oh, we don't have a caller. <laughs> I would have been the first one to get a caller. Well, I haven't been doing this show super long. Jen was doing it before me. So maybe Jen got this all the time. Um, well, so that's interesting. Things happen for a reason. So women are objects, huh? Well, I don't know what to, I don't know how to give that bigger, broader, useful meaning, but okay. <laughs> well, I do think that um, I'm a vessel of love and light, so that's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, we're just going to let that roll off. I think energetically, actually, mm-hmm. that 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 I actually think is a valid point to talk about for a minute here, and that is. And I know you've experienced this, I'm sure, Tam- Tamara, because I have too, and so is every author I've ever known. When you do step up, step up on a larger scale, not everybody loves it. Not no. everybody is totally in love with it. And no. especially, not usually strangers, like I have no idea who that was, but, um, you know, th- sometimes the people closest to you can be like, not so sure I'm digging this. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's happening with my family right now. <laughs> yeah, well, you wrote about personal stuff, and I'm sure that that was not like... Now, you checked with your son, I know, because we talked about that. I, so I did check with my son and my mother, right? Yeah. So there's other people that potentially could have put in the book that said, please don't put me in the book, and I said, absolutely not. Thank you very much. So my mom and my son gave permission. If they didn't give me permission, I would never have written. And like, so for those who are, cause I know we only have a couple minutes, like my son and I broke up and we only broke up for six months. And then he, we started back in with a completely different re- new relationship. So if anybody knows about negative loop cycles where you just, you know, you mean the same thing repeats itself over and over and over again, this was the way in which I had broken that, that cycle with my son. Like we had sliced through with like a golden sword, if you will. And it just allowed us to come together. We worked on ourselves independently. And when we came back together, we're closer than you would ever imagine. Like he's coming over tonight, actually. Um, I'm spending a couple nights here. Well, I'm grateful to him for his willingness to be transparent, or at least his willingness for you to be transparent, right? <laughs> Yes, because, yes uh, there are lots of people who do not like what we do when you become successful or you become um, in service of or you know, you step into your stardust, then there are going to be people who don't see the world the same way as you. <laughs> well, and I think sometimes they, they are mirrors reflecting our own fears. Like our, our stuff comes back up, right? And sometimes oh, it yeah. comes back up in the form of in somebody else's mouth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Usually that's yeah. what we have to say, right? Oh, okay. So if there's a discord, what did, what do I need to, what is it about me that I need to work on? Right. Right. 
So you are writing your second book. It's going to be out when? So it goes on Amazon on October 5th. And so, like, I don't yeah. know. Like, I'm really excited because I, I just was so – my birthday, my 40th birthday is October 20th. Mm-hmm. And I just started this year knowing I wanted to do something great before I turned 40, and I knew I wanted to write a book before I was 40, so I wrote two. Because you're a little bit of an overachiever in this regard. <laughs> I know it seems like it, eh, in this program. I'm like, this is the best ever. I feel so good in here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm, uh, I, since I'm getting to work with you on it, I'm, of course, thrilled and uh I'll just say to everybody listening that I've read the initial drafts of this book and it's amazing, you guys. So I want you to make sure and get it. My guest today has been Tamara Arnold. She is, again, an intuitive life coach, so you can work with her. And she's the author of My Kid is Driving Me Crazy, A Mom's Survival Guide for Living with a Child with Mental Illness, available now on Amazon.com. And in October, her second book will be available. It's called The Magical Business Method to Find Your Stardust, Attract Your Tribe, and Make Lots of Money, and more. So I can't wait to hear what's even more than that. Tamara, thank you for joining us. It's awesome to hear from you as always. Thank you so much. And I love the way you say and more. That was really amazing. And <laughs> anytime I'm always you guys want to I'm talk. always up for more. <laughs> I loved it. Thank you Take so care, much everybody. for having me on the show. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Talk to you again next week. This has been another episode of Book Journeys Radio, where we're changing the world one book at a time. To find out more about how you can get your book written, published, and promoted, visit www.theauthorincubator.com. Are we, do I hang up now? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.